You're listening to the No BS Nutrition Podcast. I'm registered dietitian Hannah McGee. And I'm neuroscience PhD student Tarek Youssef. And for the next hour, we're going to tackle popular nutrition topics from a scientific lens, promoting fact over fiction with no BS. Welcome back to the No BS Nutrition Podcast. I am your co-host, registered dietitian, Hannah McGee. And uh, I'm the PhD student of neuroscience, Tarkis event. You're back with us. So good to be back. Welcome back. Another week of the podcast. We are so excited to have you listening. And I think we've got a good episode for you today. Um, also, I have a question for you, Tarek. I love a question. Do you like prunes? <laughs> um, do you know, I don't often get the opportunity to eat, to eat prunes. Um, okay. I think if someone were to offer me a prune, I would eat it happily. Okay. What if I offered you 300 individually wrapped prunes? <laughs> I, I people, <laughs> 10 people enter my bedroom like with big bags like, yeah, like you've been selected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. Um, individually wrapped. Yeah. So who made that mistake? <laughs> I, so um, you know how I'm always so in the nature of my work, um, you know, yeah. partnering with various food product brands, I often get mm-hmm. sent, and as a dietitian, a lot of different Food companies have programs where they will send dietitians various samples of their products. Yeah, thank goodness, because you're so generous with them. And Right. I have like thousands of individual packets of hemp hearts and individual oh, servings. Yeah. And um, now I have 300 packages of prunes for the same what reason. What are they wrapped in? Not plastic. They are wrapped in plastic. Oh, why is this wrong with this company? I mean, thanks for the prunes. I mean, I think they just had like extras. And so they were like shipping them off to dietitians on their like mailing list. You'd think, you think like five prunes at least in the oh, package. Oh no, 300. It's a huge box of prunes. So one prune is one prune a day keeps, <laughs> <laughs> keeps what? <laughs> it keeps a lot of things actually, but it's not, so it's, not individually wrapped prunes. They're just like individual serving. So there's probably like four or five prunes in each oh, package. Oh, okay, good. Oh, so it's like a little goodness. snack okay. pack, you know. Oh, 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 sorry. I'm I'm on bo- I'm back on board now. Yeah. Okay. They're like. Do you know what I? I thought you meant literally like each prune, like a like a bonbon, like a little candy. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's like, like a quality street. It's like a serving, a, one serving of prunes in each. Fantastic. Packet. Yes, I love prunes, and you know maybe it will be an. Uh, interesting opportunity to try some new recipes yeah i will definitely next time i see you i am bringing you 100 packages of prunes (laughs) next time i see you i'm gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) i know who knows when that will be can i tell you something sad well not sad but just like okay so i one thing i love to do is when i'm feeling down i love to buy things (laughs) so if anyone out there wants to (laughs) Positive coping mechanisms. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I bought this really ridiculous um, cordless shaver because I hate shaving. And I thought, okay, I'm going to treat myself. Um, I want something that will make shaving a better experience. Mm. It it kind of worked. I mean, you can see me, but like it didn't get any of my neck hair. So I just had like weird patchy neck. And my face is like okay. okay. It's, it came with a it came with a big notice. I was like, please stick with it for thirty days. And that's what it stop. Said. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And the fact when you open the package, there's just this sheet of paper. Please stick with it with thirty days. Don't shave with anything else. We promise you'll love it. Just try it for thirty days. Oh <laughs> so my I was god. Like, oh, okay. Way to way to give happen. your customers confidence in you. I know. <laughs> please so, stick I don't know, with I'll, us. I'll, I'll update everyone in four weeks. 
Okay, yeah, I will be requesting an update in four weeks. Is it raining where you are? Yes. Rain, it's snow. Wet, wet, it's kind of wet, 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 wet right now. Speaking of wet, What's can you your... ask me something? <laughs> I was about to. You didn't give me a chance. Um, what is your BS of the week? What do you have for me? Wet is my BS of the week, you say? You're well, not... okay. it's all about... <laughs> have you ever had the conversation that's like, is water wet? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, people, you know, um... I was thinking about this today. People are, you remember when people were obsessed with saying like, um, in a while, crocodile, uh-huh. like people were obsessed with that. Like people could not let that go. That's okay. like water is wet. For a while, people were obsessed with saying water, water is, wet. is wet. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought that was going to be your base of the week, but I'm sure it'll be more exciting. Water, water is, is wet. dry. <laughs> You're, we're telling you here on the podcast. <laughs> so my BS of the week is all about raw water. Are you familiar? Your face says, ew. <laughs> My face says, no. So raw water is this, it's like a, people, okay, there's a lot of stuff out there about raw water. And you know, like you live in your own bubble online, like you don't search things up and you don't read certain websites. And then all of a sudden you randomly see something and then you click on it. You're like, surely, surely nobody knows what this is mm-hmm. there's like a hundred new york times articles like every the independent has articles on it like everybody there's like billions of companies okay so raw water so i first came across this from an article on the independent by mimi launder links in the description as always um called the raw water movement is incredibly ridiculous and incredibly dangerous so okay it's this like weird usa trend and just by the nature of the name of it, people might already have an idea. It's unfiltered, untreated, and unsterilized water. Oh, and it no. can be as loony as like thirty dollars per liter. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to read this New York Times article. Um, it's from 2017, and all of these companies that are referenced throughout like still exist, which is surprising okay. to me. So this article was titled "Unfiltered Fervor: The Rush to Get Off the Water Grid." So my first thought, getting off the water grid and this whole idea of raw water, like untreated raw water is to me feels like the most privileged thing I've ever heard of because mm-hmm. we, it's actually the front page today, not when you're listening to this, but like whenever a week ago, uh, the front page of the Chronicle Herald is um, a list of all of the um, indigenous communities in Canada that still have water boil advisories or boil water advisories. Yeah. Because we still, there's like thousands of people that still don't have access to clean water. And there's these people out here who are like selling raw water. water. Weird. So, um, this dude who founded live water, by the way, this story keeps getting weirder and weirder. So his name, uh, is Mukhandi Singh. Okay. He was born Christopher Sanborn. Okay. So he is this white guy from LA. Okay. Who has just said he's Asian now. And he's all Mm. into like meditation and like taking care of your body and like using Asian culture basically Mm -hmm. to like. Mm sell his brand great so he says a filtered water um which by the way filtered water is not there's no like magic involved it's just like it gets rid of impurity so Mm -hmm. it takes advantage of this people don't know it takes advantage of this process called reverse osmosis which basically just puts pressure on water to filter it through uh, a filter to get rid of like unwanted particles molecules Parasites, (laughs) Parasites, <laughs> bacteria, <laughs> like pathogens. We don't want to be pathogens. <laughs> things we don't want. Um, so he says you're going to get 99 percent of the bad stuff out from filtered water, but now you have dead water. Okay. I'm, what? 
Uh, what is okay? Water is H two O. Yeah. Th- there's nothing really alive about it. Uh, it does sustain life. It sure it's really does. necessary for life. Uh, by by the very nature of the fact that it sustains life, it also sustains stuff that's harmful to us, which is why around the country people are begging the government to make sure that their water supply is clean. Anyway, mm-hmm, so he says mm-hmm. he says his water is quote stays most fresh within one lunar cycle of delivery. Okay, like he's like obsessed with like being Asian. So strange. Um, he says tap water. You're drinking toilet water with birth control drugs in them. Okay. So I, I like, look this up. There, there's a lot of people say this all the time. Like, oh, like, we're all peeing out birth control. We're all peeing out our antidepressants or whatever. I've heard, like, homophobic things. Like, all the estrogen in the water's turning everybody gay. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> but so I, I was, like, I'm not going to get into, like, this really in detail because there's really no point. But I was just kind of curious I, there was actually a recent paper that um, found that there's trace amounts of uh, uh, acetylsalicylic acid. Is that what it is? That's uh, ibuprofen and um, acetaminophen. Like you can actually mm. like detect these things in the water, I guess, because they're so commonly used and okay. water reservoirs are like recycled. Okay, but they're in such trace amounts. Right, like it's, like it's zero point zero 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 zero. Like literally that many zeros. Like five percent of like is like that's detectable and that's like not right. in every reservoir. It's like right. these, the things that are found in our water system that like might be biologically relevant to mm-hmm. us or like pharmacologically relevant are in such trace amounts. Like that that's not something we should be worried about. He says chloramine. And on top of that, they're putting in fluoride, which by the way, has literally saved lives having fluoride in our water system. Absolutely. He says, call me a conspiracy theorist. Crickets. Like, I don't even know what to say. Okay. But it's a mind control drug that has no benefit to our dental health. That is wrong. Like, that is so wrong. Like, point blank, just incorrect. Misinformation. So, 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 so wrong. Like, fluoride in our water system has been proven time and time again to be so effective at keeping our dental hygiene good. And, like, communities without fluoride, like, literally have, like, you can count, like, it's, it's a measurable difference of the, um, amount of dental problems that Mm -hmm. communities without fluoride in their water have the article then goes on to talk um to someone with a little bit of common sense um uh, dr hensrud uh from the mayo clinic he says unsurprisingly (laughs) filtering water makes sure we get rid of things like e coli viruses parasites carcinogens presumably that all sounds good to me i mean so um it seems like the wild, wild west to me. Like I'm seeing like all these companies pop up. I'm like in the U, mostly in the U.S. I'll say, and I'm like, how is this even allowed? So mm-hmm. there are <laughs> there are standards in the U.S. <laughs> um, for what can be contained in water, but the FDA doesn't tell you, um, doesn't enforce how you treat that water. So as long as by their criteria you meet certain thresholds for like detectable things in water you don't have to for example put that water through reverse osmosis you can do nothing if you want okay interesting um so things can actually get uh so bad that uh there's this company called tourmaline spring and they sell something they call sacred living water i'm just blinking (laughs) silently into the air here and they like beyond not even like listening to what the fda has to say they they were able to get a complete exemption from their state in order to sell their untreated water so it seems like this like these available like weird legally loopholes for people to be uh selling this stuff with so there's lots and lots and lots of claims saying that like raw water is going to make your skin better. Mm. Per- somehow people are saying like it's going to allow you to better consume your like better get nutrients out of your food. That doesn't make any sense. So Right. Actually a colleague of ours fellow podcaster 
because everyone who does a podcast is kind of like in our family mm, you know we're I mean? all connected mm-hmm. we, we like sit at the opposite side of the table from joe rogan but we're like we're you know we're, he's family like we're all podcasters Colleagues, you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally totally <laughs> um so this guy daniel vitalis he uh, is pro this raw water movement but he says i don't like the word the words of raw water he prefers unprocessed water he says it sort of makes people (laughs) he says it sort of makes people think of raw sewage when you say live water that's going to trigger a lot of people who are into physics and biology is it alive that's what he says (laughs) i will say daniel uh no water is not alive um and we don't need it to be nor do we want anything to be living inside of it no 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 um so just uh, for people who just like want this for their back pocket if they don't know water provides moisture to our tissues it's not really any magic there it acts as like basically a medium that transports stuff throughout our body and our blood vessels uh and it takes advantage of not reverse, but actu- but actual osmosis at the kidney and the liver to carry waste, which basically is like because we accumulate a bunch of waste in our liver and kidney and we introduce water, which hopefully doesn't have anything in it. It's a, a bit emptier. Osmosis uh, is this process whereby the concentrated stuff gets sucked into the more empty stuff and then it can get carried out you know, by our by our waste mm-hmm. get, can get excreted this is all this is all good things so um i just think this is all completely ridiculous i, I like, couldn't believe it was a real thing when i saw it and that these companies are still active and like doing well enough to be charging like, really ridiculous amounts like 30 usd is a lot of money but is that um, because they're doing well or, or is that because they need the point. money the, I, I don't know i I couldn't believe the number of companies. I found like five in like a matter of seconds and they ship like, like not internationally, but they ship nationally or whatever. Mm -hmm. So just like to put things in perspective for people, there are 801 water advisories currently in Canada. And that doesn't necessarily take into account all of the like lesser water advisories of like in more rural communities um, that are dependent on wells taking it doesn't even take into account like all the environmental racism that's like impacting water sources for remote communities especially um african canadian and indigenous communities and all and whatever raw water i will just say untreated water has the potential to be seriously dangerous Mm -hmm. to health Mm -hmm. and and it, it may not even be like well people might be saying like oh well uh i don't know like People aren't dropping like flies. But sometimes that's not how this stuff works. Like there is documented in Nova Scotia even. Uh, did you watch something in the water? I this didn't, no. So they have this, um, in one of the communities, they talk about how their water supply has been linked to um, the fact that there's such high cancer rates mm-hmm. in the community because their water supply has been um, impacted by like a bunch of like waste disposal um which is really unfortunate so like getting like water from wherever some sort of like river or something does it's because it like looks scenic and there's a deer in the corner and there's a bird chirping does not mean that that water is like super clean and healthy for you and these are things that can be seen like there there can be effects that are like over generations so this i this is like really sad that this exists if anyone's ever considering this i guess don't yeah and that's all i have to say about that oh my god that was a great bs of the week um really Thank well you. done but it's also just so like it's just unfortunate in like and mind-blowing in the worst way that there's people <clears throat> like you already said it's you know, on one end of the spectrum who don't even have access to clean water. And like so yeah. many people still, so many people. Absolutely. And Flint, then Michigan still doesn't have clean water. Right. That's been like so publicized for yeah. so long and yet still nothing. And meanwhile, changed. there's people in like LA, like who are like, you know, trying to make <laughs> water dirtier. Like they're like, clean water <laughs> is out. And it's just yeah. like, are you kidding me? Like, if you're so dedicated to, like, 
health and wellness and that's your passion, then maybe try like focusing some of that energy on helping, you know, doing what you yeah. can for those communities like who queen, don't have Some people don't even have water. water. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. But you're yeah. just concerned with like the type of water that's the like the most pure and unprocessed. It's like privilege. I much. also hate the thought of like he um must have had like some eat pray love like visiting Southeast Asia and right. like came back he was like I'm going to assume this new identity. Well, and that's a whole water. other conversation that we probably could have in an entire episode about like the co-opting and like appropriation of Asian culture and like their, you know, um, traditional practices or foods that have been around for a long time, um, that for the longest time were like viewed as like, we've talked about MSG before and things like that, but like viewed as like dirty or, um, unhealthy. And now in this like new wave of wellness culture, these things like bone broth and things like that are like coming back yeah, as yeah. like cool and, and, um, expensive, expensive and yeah. super like, um, just like super foods and really good for you now. And because yeah. they've been like whitewashed and like adopted by right. all these white people. So that's like pretty much the same thing or like, this is essentially what this guy is doing. Totally. Um, yeah. And Oh, I, I, maybe I should, just for people listening, I hope no one listening thought I was saying this, but raw water is not an Asian thing at no, all. No, no. It's just this yeah. guy is like pretending yes. to be whatever yeah. Asian and is using it as like a selling point. Yeah. Because of what Hannah's saying, this like holistic tradition of medicine. Yeah. That's like now being co-opted. Yeah. Uh, in so. the West. Yeah, that's really so wacky. wacky and unfortunate. And I just can't believe that it just things they just they just go around in a circle. Like it's you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, oh well, regular go water's on. not good enough anymore, so we need to reinvent it and like let's Put go, Gab in let's go back to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like go back to drinking dirty water and then yeah. like ugh, whatever. Anyways, yeah, that was crazy and I just yeah. You can so use our promo code Big <laughs> Cashew <laughs> to get <laughs> Yeah. So water is wet and we should have it cleaned. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen to that. <laughs> oh dear. All right. So this week, we have another great convo coming at you. We are going to talk about... Noom, noom. <laughs> noom, noom. <laughs> Does it, it sounds like a Pokemon. Noom, noom. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really curious about where the name came from. I didn't actually look into that when I was doing yeah, my research for I this episode. I didn't look into that either. No. So, today we're talking about Noom, and they're... Um, they are a, I don't even know what to call them. I mean, I want to call them a diet, um, like a diet plan or a diet app, but yeah, they claim not to be. So if you Google, if you just do a simple Google search of of Noom, you'll get their website, which says Noom, stop dieting, get lifelong results. So they Mm -hmm. kind of have positioned... Weight loss, by the way. Just spoiler alert. (laughs) Right. But they have positioned themselves as like non-diet or anti-diet. Right. At one point, if you Google, they had it... They had like paid for the ad spot on Google. So like if you Googled intuitive eating, Noom was like the first thing that popped up because they were trying to market themselves and position themselves as, you know you know anti-diet moving away from diet culture and almost like i guess it just kind of shows that they're trying to target like a specific population they're trying to target people who Mm. are interested in getting away from diet culture or um you know getting rid of fad diets and and improving their relationships Mm -hmm. with food um but is that really what they are all about? That is what we're going to talk about. So right. I um, 
I have a few things I want to address about Please. this. I mean, there, I feel like there's address. probably so many things we could talk about. But I think the first thing I'll just... So, like the WW episode, I um, downloaded the app. I downloaded Noom to do a little bit of... I love this investigative doodles of you to do a little bit of investigation just to get an idea yeah. of what the experience is like. So, um, I did this earlier today. Um and fresh when the first thing when i download the app the first thing they ask is straight off the bat how much weight do you want to lose so clearly it's a weight loss app so number one they you know weight front and center and then after so i put in some arbitrary weight loss you're like not allowed to put in zero (laughs) right (laughs) probably so i mean yeah um so I put in some number and then the next question, how fast do you want to lose it? Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> and you know how you rate how fast you want to lose your weight? You There's like a sliding scale with animals um, on the screen. So it like goes from like a snail to yeah. a turtle to a cheetah. So like mm. you choose turtles in the middle. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was a rabbit okay. in the middle. I, I can't remember. Okay. It was. I think it was turtle, rabbit, or hare, and then mm. cheetah. <laughs> you know okay. the turtle and the hare. Um, uh. So then you had to you choose. You slide the little thing along to how fast you want to lose your weight, and that determines mm-hmm. obviously like how many calories you eat. How many calories you eat in a day. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, I mean, so my issue with that, obviously, but is But no like, calorie counting. But no calorie counting. Well, do they say that? Because there is calorie <laughs> no, counting. No, I just mean, like, the, these are all these companies, just like WW, are like, you don't have to worry about calories. Like, yeah, because you're doing the math for me. Right. But some, we're all still counting calories. Right. So, exactly. It's it's So, what happens is you, you fill that out, and then... You answer a bunch more questions about whatever your goals, your challenges, about how your how hot you want to look, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and basically it says like calculating your results, calculating your results, and they're just literally using an equation to spit out an arbitrary number that is definitely lower than you need. And I didn't actually get to that point because it like apparently takes days to give you your calorie which is surprising like you'd think with because they're just using an algorithm um they would just yeah, spit you out a number reviewed by someone you I, think because their whole thing is about like it's like created by psychologists yeah so it told me like it prompted me to take all these little mini courses and maybe i have to complete those before they give me my calorie number um, but I obviously didn't get through them all because there was like 10 of them. Um, what if you're busy? Right. So I, I one <laughs> thing that I, one thing I did get from this app, just from spending like an hour on it this afternoon is that it's time consuming to spend all your time on there. Weird. But I also mm. watched, um, a couple YouTube videos about people who have tried it or dietitians that have reviewed it. And one of them was Abby Sharp's YouTube video about Noom. And she said that she like went in Shout and out. investigated it as well. And of course, it guess how many calories it told her to eat? Like 800 or something. <laughs> 1,200, which is like the standard <laughs> diet app number yeah, if you yeah. want to lose like right, two, right. two pounds a week or whatever it is. Mm. Um of water, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, two pounds of water weight. <laughs> so, I mean, not, right off the bat, I was like, okay, this isn't revolutionary. This is this is literally another calorie tracking app because as I read into it more, right. it says that, yeah, you, you still have to log your food. You still have to mm-hmm. keep track of what you're eating every day. And uh, the app just subtracts how much you ate from your calorie limit and tells you how many calories you have left. Right, re- really reinventing something here. Um and then I think one of their other like marketing points is that like they don't give you a meal plan or a spe- tell you what specific foods to eat um, like directly. They don't give you a meal plan or, or a food program or anything like that. However, we're still inputting our food. And mm. I guess instead of like telling you whether what you're eating is good or bad or telling you exactly what to eat, they use the good old traffic light color system. 
I'm falling asleep. That's <laughs> so boring. Oh my God, they suck. They're the most boring app I've ever heard of. So this is like exactly the same as WW's Kerbo app. I can't be- I'm actually a little shocked. Like, I can't believe that. Right. So you, again, they, they talk about how revolutionary they are and that they're like the last diet you'll ever have to go on I or they whatever would be a it little is. bit more imaginative. Right. So it's, they, again, they rate the foods that you log based on Ugh. green light, yellow light, or red light. And this is supposedly supposed to help you understand how healthy or how healthfully you're eating. But, oh but here's the kicker. Same as the WW Curbo app, which we talked about in season one, they're just rating the foods and, and like assigning them to colors based on their caloric density. So not oh, yeah, not yeah, nutrient yeah. density, like not how nutritious mm-hmm. the foods are, but how calorie dense yeah. the foods are. So of course, right. your green foods are like your fruit and vegetables, certain whole grains like brown rice. Um, zero point foods. Right. They're like your zero point foods. Um, and then the yellow is like your legumes. So like beans or things like that. Eggs. Um, what else is in there? Avocado. Um, quinoa, things like that. Lean meats are in the mm. yellow. And then the red is your red meat, ham, processed meats like bacon, um, full fat dairy, nuts, butter, oil, um, mayonnaise, and then like, you know, fun foods like pizza, fast food, desserts, <laughs> things like that. Oh so they're literally oh just gosh. rating foods, giving them an arbitrary score essentially, based on how many calories are in them. And and they claim to be all about teaching you about nutrition and like yeah. understanding what's in your food and what you're eating. But that's not what that is. Like that is literally just assigning food value based on how many calories it has. The, how many calories a food has has nothing to do with how many nutrients it has like how nourishing it is for your body and in some cases something that is calorie dense like olive oil or like avocados are calorie dense because they're rich in healthy fats like things that are good Mm. for our health so it's just it's all about weight like everything is just um, circling back to weight loss because weight loss you need to be in a calorie deficit and they are obviously just focused on a calorie deficit because they want you to be filling up on green foods which is the you know high volume foods i or remember like the low calorie like, foods. Um, their instagram ads like years ago it was do you remember it would be they'd show you like a, a slice of cake and then it, they'd be Ugh. they'd show you like a, a plate of like 100 broccoli we talked about this yes or whatever yeah yeah that I remember new and they're like psychologists created like okay right and and if and. you it, you'd think that like if it's all about psychology and like, like the, mental health right yeah. the psychology yeah. behind food maybe they would consider your relationship with food and like yeah. you know teaching you how to eat mindfully or or like um think about you know the intentions behind your decisions because healthy eating is so much more than just choosing low calorie foods it's about rather than guilting people through red lights yeah and you're just gonna like giving your um i don't know your almond butter a red light isn't going to make you like have a good relationship with almond butter it's going to make you fear it because it's like oh my god it's something that I should only be eating sparingly and whatever. Um, and, and in reality, like there's so, there's so many different things that make up what healthy eating is. And like the actual food that you eat is such a small part of that. And you know what? Like I new markets themselves, like they are, they really take into account all of the other things, mm-hmm. but when it, you know, when it comes down to like the nitty gritty and you're still tracking your food every day and your food is being rated as green, yellow, or red, and you're tracking your weight. Oh God, we got to get into the weight. Did you, did you see about, (laughs) I Uh, love that journey you just had. You love what? I love the journey you just had. Please keep going. (laughs) Okay. So I just thought of something, um, and I have it in my notes here as something I wanted to touch on, but Oh my gosh, you're going to lose your head when I tell you this. Um, So there was, so, okay, in these like mini courses that I was taking, um, Mm -hmm. I guess they were like testing my knowledge in nutrition. 
and how, or or in health. How dare they? Or weight loss? How dare they? And um, one of when the, you mess with my family, you mess with me. <laughs> Don't test him. <laughs> one of the questions in like they do these little quizzes after the um the little mini lessons, and I wasn't really paying attention to the lessons. I was just kind of skipping through them, like okay. wanting to just see the point. And mm. one of the little quiz questions was. In order to lose weight, how often should you weigh yourself? And that's whoa. So I clicked. What is the right? I was like, okay. I think the options were like daily, um, once a week, or like sparingly, or something like that. So I clicked sparingly. Like I was like, okay, sparingly. Like let's hope. I had. I was like, you know what? Maybe they they're on to something. And I clicked sparingly. Yeah. Eh, Wrong. The right answer daily hourly (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously so then their their um their rationale was that um it was like studies have shown that those who weigh themselves regularly have like more weight loss success than those who don't or whatever and they cited a couple studies and we kind of touched on this a little bit in the last episode when we were talking about um remember there was that study that um talked about uh people who were weight loss maintainers versus mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. who weren't and the whole irony of the whole thing is that people who were maintaining weight loss were still on the diet like exactly. it's not like you can like you either get obsessive about this disordered eating behavior yeah or you don't. Yeah. And if you do, you you might be able to maintain that weight loss. But it's not like you can get off the diet and like you've, quote, healed yourself or whatever. You've lost the weight and now it's over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Your weight loss yeah, you're still it. on the diet. And like I, I looked at one of the studies that they referenced when they... So that's not magical that they said that. It's like whatever. Right. No, exactly. It's like, but I guess what I'm trying to get is like yeah it's not magical like of course if you are weighing yourself every day you're probably more likely to lose more weight because you're so fixated on you know you'll end up doing whatever it takes to make sure that the scale goes down um and that's not a good thing and so that's kind of what i had i took issue with is like you um Mm -hmm. yeah okay you might be promoting weight loss but at the same time there's also research um that does show the link between like weighing yourself frequently and um, like negative or self-esteem and like, you know, um, yeah, just more negative outcomes around like how you view your body and your eating behaviors. Absolutely. Um, And Mm -hmm. and so it's like, sure, weighing yourself every day might result in more weight loss success, but at what like psychological cost, do you know? And as we know, for how long? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you don't... It's probably not going to be something that... a crash that... diet is a crash diet. Yes. And, I mean, I have experience with, like, daily mm-hmm. weighing yourself. And... Me too. It, yeah. It literally... It's... What... Po- like... the Sure, the positive thing about that at the time was, like, I maintained a lower weight do you know what i mean like i i literally would do what it took to make sure that tomorrow the scale would be lower which is so disordered you know i would eat less right exercise more and then if the scale still didn't go down the next day or if it was higher my day was completely ruined and it was Mm -hmm. just like i oh i'm a terrible person oh what did i do wrong oh i gotta eat less today oh like blah 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 and it just perpetuated that horrible horrible disordered relationship with food and mm-hmm. we also need to note, I'm just on a tear here, that please that our weight fluctuates so much based yeah. on so many different things. So even if you are yeah. on a weight loss journey and you like are weighing yourself frequently, like your po- it's the scale's not just going to be down. Like it's not just going to over time mm-hmm. consistently be going down. Like you're it's going to go up and down and up and down and up and down. Um like just based on like fluctuations in your hydration or like digestion right. or hormones and things like that. Like it's, there's so many different things that affect it that if you're, if the scale goes up like three pounds tomorrow morning than it was today, 
It doesn't mean you gained three pounds, but of course you feel like that because the number didn't go down. And I mean, for me, it was like I was doing it all for like all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Like it was mm-hmm. all same. the diet same. culture same. reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that those are some of the big red flags that I came across just in like the hour that I spent kind of perusing um, Noom. And then, I mean, one mm. last thing that I'll say that I that stood out to me is that there's no, you know, they claim to be this anti-diet, um, you know, um, it, they marketed themselves at one point as intuitive eating, you know, moving away from diet culture. Um, they showed actually when I signed up for the app, um, a, a graph on like why yo-yo diets fail as if they're claiming to be like, not be one of those diets. And, um, one thing that they didn't do, which you'd think if you were truly anti-diet would be to like screen for disordered eating or eating disorder, Mm. like habits or tendencies. Especially if you've got a bunch of psychologists working there. Right. Might as well. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that was another red flag. It's just like, again, how much weight do you want to lose? How fast do you want to lose it? Do you have an eating disorder? No, they don't ask that. They, they, do you, they don't screen for it either. Like there's no questions to kind of gauge what your relationship to your food and body is. Cause it's all about getting you to sign up and pay for the app and ultimately right. make money. It's not really about your health as much as they say I really it is. appreciate you looking into that because I mean, to me, uh, the thing that I, remembered Noom for most strongly was that whole calorie density thing, which mm-hmm. apparently is still a huge mm-hmm. part of it. But to hear that it's like basically another Weight Watchers app is like so exactly so eye roll. It's just like whatever. Um so I I kind of like went to I went to look at the literature and mm-hmm. um, I wanted to look for something recent and there was some there's a few lots of well a handful of recent papers from twenty twenty and I was kind of interested in this whole calorie density thing. And I remember one of the things that was advertised in the early days about Noom is that it's going to help. Beside curb cravings, it would help with like overeating. I remember seeing that if you're overeating a lot like this, our whatever. Because they help you understand why or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I found this paper called randomized controlled trial comparing health coach delivered smartphone guided self-help that's the noom with standard care for adults with binge eating so this is from hildebrandt et al so i i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna explain to everybody this paper is a great example of how to make a product look scientifically worthwhile 101 okay so what they did here was they ran a whole ass experiment and then what they didn't do was control it at all. Great. So it turns out, so I'm just going to, spoiler alert, I'm going to keep talking about the paper, but spoiler alert, the how to continue to make a product look scientifically worthwhile, get supported by the company. So Noom paid for this. More than that, some of the authors are shareholders. Great. Uh, and somehow, because probably they pulled some strings because they work at, I think it, if this wasn't the Mayo Clinic, it was like Mount Sinai. I think that's what it was. Because they're at Mount Sinai, they pulled some strings and got into an actually decent journal, which is mm. really sad. So let's talk about why this paper is like really upsetting to me. So um, again, like I was saying earlier, a lot of the Noom talk, like aside aside from other things, like it can, is also about binge eating. So this paper was looking to see if in a what they call randomized control trial with a, I would say, completely terrible and useless control whether or not noom made a difference in binge eating behaviors so except the way they ran the study makes it literally impossible to conclude whether or not noom helps with binge uh, binge eating right. behaviors so they had a group that was treated with so one group got got to use noom and they also got cognitive behavioral therapy with a counselor. Okay. Okay. And then they had a control group that they called, quote, standard of care. 
or standard care. So to run a good experiment and you want to know the effective Noom, I think everybody would agree. You would have a group that had Noom and cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And then your control group would be just CBT. Right, right. And then we'll see if adding new new made a difference. Right. The control group, quote, standard care, didn't get treatment at all. They got nothing. It was just people who had binge eating behavior. That was it. (laughs) It was just you have binge eating behavior. That was the group. (laughs) So the way that they explain it in the methods is so like unbelievably like I, I, I just could not believe it. So. Um, this is what they say. They say they quote, they had health insurance. That's what they said. So these people had access to health insurance. Incredible. And therefore they had access to health services, even though, and they admitted this, none of the services under that health insurance were eating disorder centered. Great. Amazing. So yeah, no duh. They found a difference between the groups. Yeah, of course. That one, the group that received therapy and used Noom up to one year had reduced uh, binge eating behavior as compared to the, quote, standard care control group, right. which literally got nothing. Literally was mandated nothing. There was no treatment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. How is that a control to just like have people go about their daily lives? It's not. A control doesn't mean no intervention. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's kind of like running a clinical trial. Like for people out there, it's kind of like running a clinical trial and not having even a placebo. So just giving one group a pill. And the other group nothing. Usually, yeah, you give that, not even a sugar pill. You just get you don't yeah. give them a pill. Yeah. So I wonder, you're sick. Okay, you're going to get a pill. And you're not. Okay, you... Yeah, you get nothing. So how do you feel? Uh, we'll meet up in a few weeks. You'll tell me if you're better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, my God. It's, it's kind of like, I was thinking too, it's kind of like, okay, you're baking a cake and you wanted to know the difference between using baking soda and not using baking soda. What would you? You'd make one cake with baking soda and then you'd make the same cake but leave out baking soda. Right. But what they did was they made one cake with baking soda and then they just put an empty pan in the oven. And they waited for a cake to come out. <laughs> I, w- I wonder which one will make cake. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. So the really weird thing is they continue to shoot themselves in the foot with this paper. In the discussion, they report, quote, in previous studies, cognitive behavioral therapy um, conducted in commercial or primary care settings uh, resulted in remission rates of 30 to 40 percent remission rates of binge eating behaviors. Um in the present study, they say, participants assigned to cognitive behavioral therapy plus Noom reported a remission rate of 39% within the same range as the previously reported studies that reported just CBT. Mm-hmm. So even there in the discussion, how is your treatment better than just CBT? Right. If your CBT plus Noom treatment ran, went into the same range as in the previous studies that just use CBT, right. not Noom. Why are you even saying this? It like betrays oh everything that you're saying. Ugh. So, uh, it, what a mess. Yeah. And this paper means nothing. It's in a good journal, unfortunately. And I, I'm, I, no doubt this is going to be in popular press uh, articles and whatever, like Noom helps with binge eating. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like right. This, I don't know. Ugh. I'm sure. If not, it's probably already. Probably already was, is. Yeah, I exactly. I just like, haven't seen it. Um, so that made me really upset. So I was like, what the hell's going on? So I, I was actually just curious, like what's actually happening. So I don't know if people, well, let's like end on a positive clinical note. <laughs> I thought <laughs> and talk about actual binge eating and binge eating disorder. And I found a recent paper that, uh, is called binge eating and binge eating disorder in black women, a systematic review by good and colleagues. Um, so this was really interesting. So despite there being like basically like lots of access to behavioral treatment for binge eating disorder. So they're actually like you and we know from that really pathetic article that they cited that there can be good remission rates with cognitive behavioral therapy as one method of treatment. So there is there is behavioral treatment for binge eating disorder. 
Unfortunately, even though there's a lot of it, um, there is a racial disparity in access to that treatment. Um, so black people have some of the lowest rates of access to care among ethnic groups for binge eating uh, disorder in general, uh, or specifically. And this paper wanted to know about the experience and treatment of binge eating and binge eating disorder among black women. So they did a systematic review, 38 studies, and they found that basically a lot of studies, unfortunately, were relying on, you know, like self-reports, interviews, to classify binge eating behavior and binge eating disorder rather than, I guess, like more rigorous testing. You know what I mean? Um, so it's kind of hard to like make conclusions from that stuff. Um, and there was little data out there for evidence-based treatments for binge eating and binge eating disorder in black women. And most of the research obviously was focused on white women mm-hmm. and, we know black people are underrepresented in mm-hmm. clinical trials. It's it it's it's especially weird here. I mean, it's especially it's very weird in general. But here, the prevalence of binge eating disorder is just as much, like the same amount in uh, black women, if not more than in white women. Right. So it, it's like it, it is a there is a necessity for finding out about this, uh, for finding out about binge eating treatment specifically for black women. And unfortunately, there just like isn't much out there. Um, so there, let's see here. So the, there might need to be kind of, um, so what they concluded basically was that there might need to be systemic adjustments in the setting of recruitment strategy and incorporation of relevant sociocultural factors, they say, to facilitate black women's access to appropriate care. So kind of like, better thinking by healthcare systems of uh, where higher populations of black people are in communities. Do those communities have the same access to clinical care as majority white neighborhoods? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know, this is definitely a problem here, like locally in Nova Scotia. Um, and obviously like people fare better when they have access to treatment in a familiar location. Um and a lot of things are, you know, a lot of things in healthcare are very privileged. Like people's appointments will be at like 2 p.m. in the middle of the day. Well, you have to be in a pretty privileged situation to be able to leave your job in the totally. middle of the day to like travel, especially even if you're yeah. not, if you're living more rurally, uh, to be able to get to your uh, appointment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so people also obviously want to experience a positive alliance or like feel understood or heard by their therapist, which again is a problem that black women suffer from. There's also, I learned this like weird racial stereotyping specific to binge eating disorder that might be contributing to disparities here. So black women are stereotyped to be less likely uh, affected by binge eating. So therefore, they're less likely to receive referrals for further care and evaluations. So it's like this weird stereotype that like black women, quote, like love being curvy. So obviously, what? like they they're this woman won't have been. Right, they couldn't disorder. have like, an eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's like fine with like whatever this like it overeating like this is not like a, a clinical problem here. So she's less likely to get a referral. So obviously the more we study the experiences of black women with binge eating, the better uh, we can create interventions. So I hope this research keeps developing. Um, So one thing is people really benefit from face-to-face group-based interventions. Um, And obviously like intuitive eating plays a big factor in helping people get over a lot of disordered eating Mm -hmm, behaviors, mm -hmm. like kind of, awareness of your appetite etc physical activity interventions and it makes me think of how all that stuff is kind of available but like in the wrong way like all of the face-to-face group-based interventions i can think of are like curves or like weight watchers oh, groups. Yeah. like those things exist but unfortunately they don't exist in a like a a, a healthy like intuitive way no they only exist in the like harmful diet like culture perpetuation way. of diet culture and like and like when will we get to a place where you can like go to an 
right. a group intuitive or, yeah. clinic. I'm sure like these things exist, but they don't exist not, on the same not, scale. No, absolutely as, not. As the other stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of what I took away from that paper. I thought it was really interesting. And also just like the sad slash happy thing is like there are interventions that work for a good number of people. It's just that unfortunately they're getting drowned out by all this crap like Noom. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that have these this crap that has good marketing. Exactly. You know, and, and lots of claims to support you in you know, dealing with your binge eating or understanding why you overeat or why you've gained weight when in reality, yeah. like they're actually just perpetuating the same reason that you're probably in the situation that you're in. Totally. <sighs> oh, sigh. Sigh. Sigh, Noom is a diet. Don't do it. Noom, Noom. Yeah, don't do Noom. Like, Drink oh. clean water. <laughs> I didn't, I feel bad saying that, you know, like I'm sure if there's people listening and they're doing Noom, I don't want to make you feel bad. Um, but I guess what we can say though, is like, don't let a red light, mm, like mm-hmm. whatever, that's get not to your head. Like that's not how we over here, dietitian necessarily consider when we are classifying foods as healthy or unhealthy. There's a lot more to it right. than just red yellow green or caloric density and in fact there's foods aren't necessarily like one food isn't necessarily healthy versus unhealthy you do you know what i mean like it's all about really like the context and um what else you're eating and and everything else as a whole so it's you really can't reduce food to just red yellow and green lights i also can't believe this whole um like like farce that society is pulling on everybody that like the way to health is just by controlling your calorie intake and like literally don't worry about anything else it's just still (laughs) the whole like weight loss it's just diet culture right it's it's weight loss above everything else and in order to lose weight you have to cut your calories and that's literally all this focuses on and weighing yourself every day is not healthy in fact, I would argue that that is a disordered habit. Stepping on the scale mm. every single morning to check to make sure that your weight isn't going up. That is, yeah. you know, I don't think that that's it's a healthy like habit. Lots, it's, it's negative body image stuff like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. So, so no, no to Noom. Yeah. To love yourself. It's so hard, really hard, but try. <laughs> try. That's it. that's it. We just end it on that. I Love try yourself. every day. I do too. I try every day. <laughs> do a little something every day to show yourself some love. Um, you know what? You know what? I'll say to everybody: be yourself, and I really do mean that. People are the best when they are themselves, and I like. I always find I, it's like such a struggle sometimes, but I always feel better when. I'm not comparing myself to other people and I'm just working on being a good person rather than working on presenting as a perfect person. Mm, You know mm -hmm, what I mean? mm -hmm, Absolutely. So be yourself. Be yourself. Do you, Hannah, do you, (laughs) do you have a tasty? You are, I already told you about it, but this past, no, not the prunes. (laughs) Um, This last weekend on Saturday, Pat and I, you know, we usually, we, (laughs) we go out to eat, (laughs) we go out to eat like once a week and, you know, we try, you know, usually on the weekend because it's just a nice thing to do, especially right now where we're, we're in Moncton, we're fiancés, we don't have a lot of, you know, friends and family here. So it's just really just us and most of the time. And, you know, we were sitting on the couch on Saturday afternoon and Pat was like, what do you want to do for dinner? Where do you want to go? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'd like to try somewhere new. And then all of a sudden Pat was booking a reservation at this lovely restaurant in Moncton. Okay. It's French move. French restaurant and um it's called Le Brume de Coude and that means Oh, what does that mean? That means elbow <laughs> grease, just so you know. Of 
elbow grease and mist. Elbow mist. Mist of elbows. Because your, your eyes get all misty from the boiling water. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So we had dinner there, and it was so lovely. It was a such a cool restaurant. The food was so good. We had, like, I forget. Okay, so the appetizer was, like, buttered Brussels sprouts with with duck and and some sort of gravy oh my gosh it was so good the the two mains that we got we got um oh uh braised lamb with fried gnocchis and um and then the other one was uh pan seared scallops on shrimp squid ink noodles or squid ink pasta um it was and like an oyster ginger sauce oh my god it was so good actually i never asked you what did you get for dessert we didn't get a dessert we were so full i know i'm sorry (laughs) he's leaving i leave the pod i i i I was telling hannah like i feel so basic for this but like french food is i don't think that's basic i love a lot of food i don't think that's basic french food is I love French food so much. <gasps> like, okay. Oh, it's, it's just so, so I, I, like, okay, so, rich. Like, it's simple, but yeah. rich. Like, the Everything, flavors are you know so rich and Everything satisfying. has a flavor. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I eat meals and I'm like, I'm. this is just like going down yeah. my gullet. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. French food, every ingredient has a flavor and... I was very, very, very lucky for school. I got to go to Paris to go to a conference a few, several years ago. And I I mean, I was so alive mm-hmm. eating the food, mm-hmm. like the restaurants. Oh, my. Nothing's better. It is. Uh, I don't want to say it is the best cuisine because I, I really love Middle Eastern food. Like I really love Korean food, uh, et cetera. But. Oh, it just is the best. <laughs> it's it's so good. And we, yeah, we loved our experience there. We loved the food. Oh. And I have to say, this is something that I've learned, especially after such this, this year of the pandemic. We sent photos of our meal to like all of our friends and family because it was so good. And we were like, look what we just did. And we got like a handful of people saying like, what, what was the occasion? Like, why did you go out for such a nice meal? And you know what I have to say to that? You do oh, yeah. not need an excuse to go out and treat yourself no. to a nice meal. If you want to <laughs> absolutely order not. in a nice meal, if you want to go out and eat a nice meal, <laughs> you go and do that. Like, you deserve it. And after this year that we've yeah. had, if you want to treat yourself to a delicious absolutely food, like, you do you. I and A shaver that doesn't work. Yeah. You know what? Treat yourself. <laughs> Please hold on Ooh, to it for 30 <laughs> days, though. Um, <laughs> but seriously, yeah. Like, you don't need an occasion to... To enjoy good food. I agree. You can just do it if you want Actually, to. I mean, well, if you have, I don't know if you have a question for me, just go ahead. I want to know. But I want to respond to you with my, yeah. I want to know want. what you were trying to say when you just went. <laughs> no, I do want to know what's been tasty for you this week, Tara. Well, it's so funny you asked. Um, it's. In line with what you're saying, I totally agree. No need for an occasion. I will also say, Thomas and I used to have this tradition years ago. Um, we used to keep, <laughs> people are going to freak out. Just like on a regular basis, we had a cake in the fridge. Just, we just always had a cake in the fridge. So you'd like, I know, there truly there is nothing like opening the fridge and be like, oh, I still have cake. Oh my God, best <laughs> so, feeling ever. No, I know. So these past two weeks, we've kind of like been doing that again. So like, I've I like made a cake and like we bought a cake. Usually we're like we'll just like get a cake while we're at, while we were out grocery shopping years ago. Um, back when you used to go grocery shopping in person, um, before the aliens <laughs> delivered groceries to your car. Um, but yeah, we we've resorted to not resorted. We went back to this old tradition of just like having a cake in the fridge, and there's literally nothing. I mean, th- I don't need anything else. Do you know what I mean? I that is amazing. I don't need anything else. That I love that so much, and I want to start doing it. Absolutely. There's also nothing like waking up on a Sunday morning, making a tea, and saying, 
I'll have cake for breakfast. Oh my tea. gosh. I'm getting a cake <laughs> this weekend and we're having cake for breakfast on Sunday morning. Absolutely. There's the, you don't even like need a fan. If you see a pound cake in your fridge, that is million dollars in your fridge. It doesn't have to be like a fancy, no. like whatever, Dolce de Leche, whatever, Dequas. Like it can literally be yellow, yellow cake. Oh, I love yellow cake. I just love yeah. how much our tasties just aligned like that this week. How it was really I like, know. you don't need, no an occasion. need for an occasion. Yeah. Like you no. enjoy yourself and you enjoy your cake food. Is like and a, be yourself. <laughs> cake is a regular meal. I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> yeah. You don't need it. Okay. Just have cake in the fridge. I love it. I love yeah. it. And I think we should all keep cake in the fridge more regularly. Absolutely. I did once. <laughs> this this is like a running joke now between my friend Allison and I. Hi, Allison, if you're listening. Um, for one of her, Hannah just waved. By the way, you'll see that on our Patreon. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, one year for her birthday, well, she came over. Uh, I bought her cake. Like we didn't like do a big to do. We never really do big to dos. We just like it was her and I just like having a date at my place and bought a cake we were having cake halfway through the cake it was delicious like we're really enjoying this cake it's like really like beautiful chocolate mousse like really light sponge um halfway through she looks at the. i hope people know this is a joke she looks at the at the packaging and she goes gluten-free you got me a gluten-free cake (laughs) What is? What are you trying to say? And I literally just like didn't even know it was gluten free. I, I, I just like saw it in the store. It looked delicious, so I bought it. Didn't even register what the the packaging was. I just it was like brown. So it was like must be chocolate. That's all I right. knew. <laughs> Took it home. It was delicious. Anyway, so that's a running joke now that it's like you got me a gluten free cake for my birthday, but it was delicious. And I know a lot of people are gluten free for a lot of reasons, especially health reasons. And power to you. There's some great cakes out there, there... and I didn't know that. Until that moment. there There is hope for gluten-free cakes. Absolutely. There's some amazing gluten. The, people are doing really incredible work in the gluten-free space. Just round of applause for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of No BS Nutrition. Leave us a rating and review. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media. Our links are in the description. And I think that's everything. I think so. And and we love you and be yourself and don't change for someone else. Um, what do you want from your life? Get, get life to give you what you want not you give other people stuff okay i'm broken so we have to go bye Bye.